Encouragement to go the distance. That's the topic today on the new Bold Steps Weekend with Mark Job. There's some of you that are in a season that you're racing, that some of you have gotten to a place that's difficult, that's hard, and you've just quit. God wants you to know it's not over yet. Welcome to the new Bold Steps weekend program with Mark Job. Mark is president of Moody Bible Institute and the senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. And I'm Wayne Shepherd. In our series today, we're looking at what it means to be fully devoted to God, and we'll be turning to the Old Testament book of Haggai. This Old Testament prophet was able to wake up people who had been lukewarm in their faith after losing their vision along the path in their spiritual journey. And like many triathletes, he was able to encourage them along the way to keep running the race. Now, we may not be extreme athletes, but there are a lot of spiritual messages we can glean from this passage of Scripture. So let's get started. Our message is titled, It's Not Over Yet. And here's our Bible teacher, Mark Job. A quarry was his name. He had been chosen by Tanzania to compete in the Mexico Olympics that were, I believe, in 1968. He considered it a great privilege that he was able to run representing his country. This would be a brutal run, 26 miles, in some high altitude where the oxygen kind of is a little thin. But Atuari was up for the task. With pride, He circled around at the beginning of the Olympics carrying his Tanzania flag, hoping that he would do the best as they ran this brutal, brutal course. The gunshot he took off with many other athletes running this marathon of 26 miles. He was doing pretty well until mile 12. At mile 12, some of the runners started jostling a little bit, moving, pushing each other, and Atwari fell. It was a bad fall. He messed up his knee. He skinned his leg. He dislocated his shoulder. Many thought that he was out of the race, but when Atwari got up, he started to limp and run again, but he was running very slow. The doctors on the sideline said, hey, just, just quit the race. You're injured. You don't have to finish. But to their amazement and surprise, Atwari kept running. He had 14 miles yet to go, and he kept running. Half running, half limping, half walking. All of the other marathon runners completed the race. They marched, they ran into the stadium at the applause of thousands and thousands of people that applauded them. Atwari was an hour later. By that time, the stadium had cleared out only for a couple thousand people. Dusk was falling, it was getting dark already. The crowd had dispersed for the most part, and then suddenly someone said, Hey, look at him! And there he was, Atwari entered into the stadium, limping, walking, trying to run. The crowd got up, looked at him, this injured athlete, as he made one last round around the stadium, 
and passed right through the finish line. He was the last by far of 57 marathon athletes that finished the race. When the reporter was able to talk to Atwari, he put a microphone in his, in his face and he said, Atwari, why didn't you quit? I mean, you were way, way, way late. Why, don't you just get, why didn't you just give up? Atwari said, my country did not send me 10,000 miles just to start the race. They sent me to finish the race. Every person in this auditorium is in a race. We in the church are in a race. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. We may have sprints within the marathon, but it's a long-term race. And there's some of you that are in a season that you're racing that some of you have gotten to a place that's difficult, that's hard, and you've just quit. You stop trying. You stop running. You sit down on the side. You say, it's just too hard. Oh, you're still alive. You're still breathing, but you're not running. You're not racing. There's no vision of the future. There's no vision for the finish line. You just set out. And I believe that God has called me here today because I believe that God has called me to stir some of you up to finish what God has started. Yeah, because I believe this, that some of you are in a race that even though you may have set out, God wants you to know it's not over yet. Tap the person beside you and say, it's not over yet. Tap the person on the other side. Hey, I think some of you are going to speak this prophetically into someone's life. Look at the person beside you in the eye and say, it's not over yet. How many of you needed to hear someone tell you that today? How many of you needed to hear someone tell you, hey, it's not over yet. It's not over yet. And as I was praying for this service today, I was drawn to Haggai, this little book in the Old Testament, because the message that the prophet was delivering to the people that he was speaking to is exactly that message. It's not over yet. And I want to tell you a little bit about this message, and I want, to, I want us to understand and learn from Haggai three vital principles that we need to learn and grasp and understand if we are going to finish what we've started. If you're jotting notes today, I want you to write this down. I believe that we move to the finish line when we decide to stop postponing and determine to complete what we started. Some of us are major procrastinators. Mañana, mañana. Later, later. Hey, can you take out the garbage? Yeah, later. Hey, can you take the car for an oil change? I'm getting to it later. Can you do your homework later? Later. It's easy to procrastinate in little things, but it's a major problem when we start procrastinating in our God-given destiny. And so I want you to know what was happening with the people of Israel when Haggai came up to them and said, stop procrastinating. Stop procrastinating. 
So what had happened was that in the year 586 B.C., so 586 years before Christ was born, long time ago, 2,500 years ago, the people of Israel had been called by God a set-aside nation. They had built Jerusalem. They had built the temple. Solomon had built a magnificent temple in the center of town that had become the place of worship. If you turn on the television and they're talking about the Middle East, there's a wall that remains from Solomon Temple in Jerusalem that's called the Wailing Wall. I've been there. Uh, Jewish people still believe that that's the closest gate to heaven, and they take little prayers and they put it in the wall, and you'll see people going back and forth and praying at that wall because it's the original from Solomon's Wall. Well, because the people of Israel did not follow God and turned to other idols and turned their back on God and drifted away from God, God decided that he would let Israel be devastated by their enemy. So the Babylonians came and they conquered Jerusalem, they conquered Israel, they ransacked the city, they tore down the walls, they burned the houses, and they took all of the gold from the temple, all of the holy artifacts, and they destroyed the temple brick after brick brick, knocked it down so it was left in ruins. And they were taken as slaves back to Babylon. You remember the story of Daniel, who was one of the young leaders that was taken as a slave. They were there for 70 years. Jerusalem was in ruins. The people of Israel were devastated. Now, sometimes what happens when we turn our back on God, sometimes what happens when we start going our own way is God has to lead us through a season of devastation in order to take us back to a season of restoration. Some of you are here today because you had to have some devastation in your life that woke you up and it brought you to a place of restoration. And so God woke the people of Israel back and said, I will send you back to rebuild Jerusalem. God wasn't done with their story. And so after 70 years, there was a group of people, 50,000 Jews, that were allowed to return to the devastated city of Jerusalem. The walls were down. The city was in ruin. It was just a devastating, desolate city. But 50,000 came back to say, we will rebuild this city. We have a vision of what Jerusalem can be again. We have a dream that this city can be rebuilt, and this will be a place of peace and a place where God reigns. The temple will be rebuilt. We will worship again like we used to worship. We will, their children will dance in the streets and laugh and play like they used to. We will follow God, and as we follow God, we will rebuild this city. They had gone back to do so, but something happened. You know, when God gives us a big task, it's not always easy. When God gives us a big vision, it gets interrupted by opposition, by criticism, by obstacles, by discouragement. And here's what I've discovered, that there's two twins that tend to derail us. Discouragement and distraction. When we become discouraged and distracted, we typically stop doing what God has called us to do, and we start 
putting our energies into other things because discouragement and distraction work hand in hand to take us away from the destiny that God has called us to. Some of you right now are not finishing what God called you to do because you've been discouraged and distracted. You got discouraged because someone hurt you. You got discouraged because it was too long. You got discouraged because it felt like it wasn't making progress. And when you got discouraged, you started looking around. And when you got discouraged, you started getting distracted. And you figured, if I can't win at this, I'll win at something else. And so you've thrown yourself into something else. And the very call that God has on your life, the very destiny that God has had you for, you have abandoned it because of discouragement and distraction. I believe that God has called me to wake some of you up today. To get you out of discouragement and distraction to say, hey, hey, you, you're, you're sidetracked. God is not done with you yet. Don't bail out of the marathon. It's not over yet. You're still in the race. Get off the bench. Get off the sideline. Get into the game that God has called you to because you are wasting a lot of your precious energy, time, faith, gifting, talents when you live in the world of discouragement and distraction. You're listening to the new Bold Steps Weekend with Mark Job, and we will return to the second half of the message in just a moment. Well, next year, Mark and Dr. Michael Rydelnik are going to be touring the Holy Land, and they'd love for you to join them. Immerse yourself in the sights, the culture, and beautiful landscapes as you walk where Jesus walked. This unique opportunity will change your understanding of Scripture forever. You can register online right now when you visit boldstepsweekend.org. Once again, you'll find more information online at boldstepsweekend.org. Right now, let's get back into today's message from Mark Job. It's titled, It's Not Over Yet. So Haggai was raised as a prophet. Thank God for the prophets in our life. How about it? There's people around us that sometimes, because we're not listening to God himself, we're not reading his word, we're not calling upon God, sometimes God will have to raise a friend that speaks prophetically into our life, challenging us. And Haggai came to the people of Israel. They had started to build the temple. They had laid a foundation. They had built the altar, so they were still having services there. But because of the opposition of a group called the Samaritans, they had left. They got discouraged. And then they got distracted. You know what they got distracted with? They got distracted with good stuff, but not God stuff. They got distracted because God had told them, build up the temple. But because they got discouraged, it took a lot of work, there was opposition, they got discouraged and so they started rebuilding the city. They got discouraged with their stuff. They started building up their houses, building their yards, Finishing the roofs, paneling the inside, doing their floors, improving their homes. They kept saying, yeah, we'll get back to the temple. Yeah, yeah, we're going to finish it. Yeah, we're going to get back to it. It's just not the right time yet. It's not the proper season. 
You know that you can get distracted with good things from the God things? Not, they're not bad. They're not evil. They're good, but they're not the God things. And so 14 years later, they still had not done what God had called them to do, rebuild the temple. 14 years later, the temple was still in ruins. 14 years later, the walls hadn't been built. 14 years later, they were still procrastinating. They kind of got used to the way it was. You live long enough in a certain way and you start getting used to substandard living. You live with something long enough and you start forgetting that it's a problem. You live with abuse long enough and you think that abuse is normal. It's the standard. It's the way life is. It's been that way for a long time. It'll probably never change. And you just accept verbal abuse, physical abuse, and you believe that that's just the way it is if you live with it long enough. You live in a house full of strife and chaos and criticism and doubt and anger. You live that way long enough and you just start to assume that's the way it'll always be. That's the way it's always been. I expect it, anticipate it, believe it. You live in poverty, indebtedness, where you can barely pay your bills and you always have creditors calling you up and you just believe that that's the way life is. It's always barely, barely surviving, barely living. It's always one paycheck to another. It's moving apartness while creditors chase after you and follow after you. It's just the lifestyle that you've become used to. You live there. You accept it. You make it your culture. You think it's normal because when you procrastinate on something long enough, long enough, you start getting used to a culture of procrastination even though it's not what God has called you to. So God sent Haggai to wake them up. And in verse 2 he says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. It's not the right time. It's not the right time. Verse 3. Then the, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai, and he says to the people, It is a time for you. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in paneled houses while this house remains in ruin? What Haggai was selling them is God called you to rebuild the temple, but you got discouraged and you got distracted with your own things. And so now that which should have been a priority is no longer a priority in your life. And you have switched priorities. You've forgotten to put first things first. You know, the greatest challenge that we have as Christians, as believers, is not necessarily that we go after evil things. It's that we switch our priorities and so that God is no longer at the center, number one, top priority. He's a part of our life, but not the center of our life. We've added him to our life like we add the gym, a therapist, an accountant, and our favorite TV program. If we have time for it, we love to come and watch it. But at the center of our life is something else. 
Jesus said to his disciples, seek ye. Say it all together. Seek ye what? First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then everything else shall be added to you. But you got to put first things first. They had been postponing and postponing and making excuses of why it wasn't happening, why they weren't rebuilding the temple. Benjamin Franklin wrote, I've never known a man who was good at making excuses, who was good at anything else. Hello. Some of you have met some of those. I believe that what happens sometimes is when God speaks to us about doing something, speaks to us about moving in an area, that when we don't move forward in an area, that when we don't do what God has called us to do, then we will experience the ripple effects of procrastination and delay in our lives. And some of us, when we don't obey immediately and say, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it, but not now. I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it, but not now. Then eventually we start living in a state where we experience the circumstances or the repercussions of our postponement. They had begun to live in a Jerusalem where the center of worship was no longer strong. I had a grandfather who was a good man, went to church, read his Bible, prayed. He was a good man, a good man. He was a foreman at the steel mills in northern Indiana. He had a habit, though. He had the habit of smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. When I was a teenager, he would say, hey, boys, I would say, Grandpa, why do you smoke? It's not good for your health, boys. I know I'm going to quit. It's just hard. You don't understand. But, but, but I'm working on it. I, I'm, I'm going to quit. I, I, you guys better not take up this habit. And for years he said he was going to quit, but he kept postponing. One day it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Until one day he had a cough. The doctor took an x-ray of his lungs and he said, Mr. Job, you have a spot on your lung." And we think that it's cancer. Something happened immediately. The man that kept postponing smoking, kept saying it was too hard. He would one day. He would one day. Suddenly, out of nowhere, there was this incredible, massive willpower to quit smoking. All along, he had the power to quit if he had been motivated enough to do it. All along, he had it there. But... He suffered and lived the consequences of his postponement. That's Mark Job with a tough but truthful message here on the new Bold Steps Weekend. As Mark said earlier, our greatest challenge in life is not about our pursuits of evil things. Our greatest challenges lie in not keeping God at the center of our lives. But in order to do that, we need to be in constant relationship and fellowship with Him and His Word. And that's why Mark would like to recommend a book by Drs. William Marty and Boyd Seavers. Reading the Bible can be intimidating. It's full of history, poetry, prophecy, and lots of instruction. And sometimes trying to get to the heart of what each book is telling us and why it matters in these modern times, well, can feel like a lot of work. So whether you've been studying the Bible for years 
or you're opening up a Bible for the first time, there's a resource I want to recommend called A Quick Start Guide to the Whole Bible. It's subtitled Understanding the Big Picture Book by Book, and it's a handy guide written by two well-respected professors, Dr. William Marty and Dr. Boyd Seavers. In this resource, the explanations are simple and the writing style is conversational, but this book will take your Bible study to a whole new level. Request your copy today and discover the true significance of all 66 books with clarity and certainty. We'll send it to you with a gift of any amount to support the ministry of Bold Steps. Very good. Thanks, Mark. To give a donation and request the book, The Quick Start Guide to the Whole Bible, Understanding the Big Picture Book by Book, receive it in the mail when you address your envelope to Bold Steps Weekend, 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. Once again, 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. Or give a gift of any amount by calling us at 866-535-5580. And when you donate $30 or more each month, we'll send you a signed copy of Mark's book, Unstuck, and access to our informative and encouraging bi-weekly email, The Bold Partner Post. Just a few of the ways we say thanks for your generous support. So go online to boldstepsweekend.org. And while you're online, don't forget to like or follow us on your favorite social media platform. You'll find us on Facebook and Instagram as Bold Steps Radio, and we look forward to seeing you there. Well, that's all the time we have today. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Thanks for joining us. And be sure to join us next weekend when Mark continues this message from the book of Haggai. So be listening to the next edition of Bold Steps Weekend. Bold Steps is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.